what do you know about Patrice Bergeron? Like, how would you describe him to someone who was, someone was like, who's that? The two things I would say about him are, are leader and winner. Those are the two words that come to mind for me. Um, he's just been a constant for so long. Uh, came up with the team like a long time ago and it's just been a, a, a leader, but not in like a, a loudmouth way, um, just through his actions, through the way he carries himself and, and sort of pushes everyone around him to, uh, to be better. Also, of course he's a winner too. As an American studies major, you don't, maybe didn't know this, we kind of can do whatever we want for our thesis. So I, over the summer, was like thinking that I was gonna do something about hockey, but I was thinking it would be more about like the diff, like how, how like European players become like American, like not necessarily United States American, but like North American or like Americanized um, as they like come to US. And then I was also thinking about like, with all the Jack Eichel stuff, I was thinking about like the idea of like bodily autonomy and violence and how that like, I don't know, plays into the sport. And then uh, instead, <laughs> I found this quote on Patrice Bergeron's Wikipedia page and I kind of like spiraled out of control and became obsessed with it. Do you want to hear the quote? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so it says, Bergeron played the majority of the season with line mates Brad Boys and newcomer Marco Sturm who had been acquired in a trade that sent Captain Joe Thornton to the San Jose Sharks in November of 2005. Then Bruins general manager Mike O'Connell recalled in a June 2011 interview that the organization had made a decision to build the team around Bergeron instead of Thornton, preferring the former's on and off ice character. And that made me spiral because I was like, is that really why they did that? Yeah, that seems interesting. Like, especially Joe Thornton was an established guy. Yes. Joe Thornton also is not the type of guy who you're like, oh, you know, off the ice, he has a lot of problems. On the ice, he has problems. Like, he's a leader. Seems like a good enough guy. Um, so, I mean, that just tells you all about... Something all you need to know about Patrice, I guess. If if he's just that much more of a standout um, person and leader on the ice than Joe Thornton, Hall of Famer. So part of my spiral... Okay, so I was looking into the Joe Thornton, like, everything. And I found so many fascinating things. Because he was the first overall draft pick that year that he was drafted, but he was also the second ever first overall draft pick that the Bruins had. So it was like, you took your like your little nest egg and you were like, uh, actually, we don't want it. Yeah, just a 45th overall pick. What was it? His like fourth year? Not even. Yeah, his third season. Third year. Third season, but like the NHL lockout from 2004, 2005 meant that he like literally had only played two professional seasons. So I was looking into, before I can like get into my Patrice Bergeron nonsense, I have to start with Joe Thornton. So like I said, we've only had the first overall draft pick two times. Um, and in 1997, when we had like the Joe Thornton draft pick, they also had the eighth overall pick, which they used for Sergei Samsonov. You know who he is? You know that guy? Uh, Vaguely? No. Honestly, I don't know a ton about him, but the vibe that I've gotten from him is that he's kind of like Brad Marchand. Like, that he was like 5'8". He was a left winger. Scrappy. Scrap, super scrappy. 
like a little spark plug. And I was like, huh. So they picked Joe Thornton as their like franchise center. And then Samsonov as like their little left winger. And like, you'd think that the first overall and the eighth overall, like they would have been, you know, like an actual pair that lasted in the Bruins for a while. But like, I think that Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron have kind of overshadowed that. Two, two guys like coming up together like that, especially like drafted um, together, you'd think would have a little bit of chemistry. It's crazy that um, they didn't, I guess. I mean, Sam Sonoff's what, Russian? Yeah. So maybe there was a language barrier there or something, but I don't think that that yeah. stands in the way of, uh, I mean, there's language barriers in every locker room, so. So basically they put like, they literally use the term fate of the franchise to describe like Joe Thornton, who's also 18 when he gets drafted. Um, something that is so crazy to me about like, I think it speaks a lot to like who Boston sports fans are, is that until the year before that Joe Thornton was like drafted, we for the first time in like literally 25 years missed the playoffs. <laughs> and I like can't imagine the type of just like hubris that builds in a fan base. It's like, we go to the playoffs every single year and then finally not going and then, but also not even winning a Stanley Cup. Like yeah, that's the thing. since it's the seventies. Like, such a long time to just be making it every year and losing every year. Like the Ray Borg years every single year uh, coming up short. So that like when you finally don't make it, like sort of what uh, happened with Detroit recently, although they had won a bunch. Like, people start to expect it, and they want it back. Like, the longer you go, the more desperate you are to just win now or give up. So, obviously, then they draft him. And then while Joe Thornton is playing, never really get past the first round when they're, like, with Joe Thornton. They either get to the first round and lose there, or they don't make it to the playoffs with him. And as this is happening, he's also, like, fighting to get paid more. And I feel like that goes back to a different weird thing about Boston sports fans, which is like the hometown discount thing where you're expecting your players to like, you know, make a little less to stay in Boston. Because why wouldn't you want to stay in Boston? So like during the lockout, he went from making like two and a half million dollars a year to like eight million. <laughs> a lot. Without bringing back like a cup. So everyone was pissed off about that. That's a lot like today. Back then, I mean, it's a crazy amount. That's so Especially much money. Especially for like, I mean, he's obviously a great player. Not a lot of winning. Yeah. It's not going to go over well, especially in, in Boston. So during the lockout, there's a lot of rumors because of like the salary arbitration that's going on at the same time that he's not going to come back. And he signed with some team in Switzerland, I believe. Um, and basically they were like, there were like a lot of articles from like the New York Post or the New York Times some some New York something that they basically were just like oh like he really hates it in Boston and he's trying to get out as he's like going through salary arbitration and everyone was like um I don't think that's necessarily true but also like if it is what the fuck like why are you trying to do like why are you trying to do this but also like if you look at his stats from that time like he's making a lot of money <laughs> And, like, he's producing a lot of points, but they're not, like, being produced in a meaningful way. I don't know. 
It's very weird. He's a weird dude. Did you know he got into a fight with a bunch of cops? No, I didn't. Okay. That was the off the ice thing. That, and, and like causing your own trade rumors is like an annoying thing to do. Right? Everyone, guys still do it now. It's like, come on. But yeah, I mean, obviously like a, a front office is going to prefer a guy that wants to play for the team over a guy that does not want to play for the team. And gets into fights with and cops. gets into fights with cops. So like around the time that Patrice Bergeron is about to get drafted, um, <laughs> him and his brother, John, were at a bar west of Toronto in St. Thomas, somewhere in Canada. They got into a bar fight with cops. He got charged with two counts of assaulting police, one count of obstructing justice. I'm pretty sure they either pepper sprayed or tased him. <laughs> um, he's a big guy, I'm sure. It's hard to, huge it's hard dude. To so that happened. So he didn't go to the, he did not attend Tuesday's hearing, but later issued a statement through his lawyer apologizing for what happened. <laughs> and he said, incidents happen in our lives, which we later <laughs> wish had not happened. I apologize for any difficulties which, which my actions may have caused members of our police force. Uh, <laughs> He's like, my bad. Yeah, I didn't know about that. that I, that's like a good enough reason if a guy is already like being annoying about money, dump him off to San Jose. There's so many like things that were clearly like building up in the background that I had no idea about, obviously, because I was barely alive. Um... <laughs> I can't believe he fought a cop. Yeah, I know. A Canadian cop, too. A cana two Canadian cops with his brother, who I'm sure is also like 6'5". Um, has to be tall. Okay, so, so he... The things that Joe Thornton did that probably got him traded and thrown away as franchise face. One, never took them farther than the second round one time. Two, fought cops, which I feel like people in Boston... Not into that. Feels anti-Boston almost. Um, three, ask for too much money. I think those are honestly enough reasons. Yeah, those are three pretty big <laughs> those reasons. Those are pretty large reasons. Um, yeah. So, so he was not the guy. He was not the guy. He, San Jose, I mean, he was kind of the guy there, I guess. But and then they never won a cup. Exactly, never got it done. I got kind of off track while I was doing this project and kind of like, so I got into the Joe Thornton thing and I was like, I have to figure out why that happened and what the hell, like, what the hell? Yeah. Why would you trade your first round over, like, your first overall draft pick? Like, he's clearly a really talented player. But a lot of what I was reading about was basically saying, like, there seems to be a consensus that something about him, like, can't bring a team to a Stanley Cup. And, like, there's something in him he doesn't have... The it factor. And I was like, this is probably one of the meanest things I've read multiple people say. That was just like, yeah, I just doesn't have it. And he's never going to have it, clearly, because he's now he's like, for what, 45 or something? Yeah, there's nothing you can do about not having it, too. Yeah. You have it or you don't. And also, it was funny, one other thing. When they traded him, they were like, yeah, like... He's so much more suited for California. Like, look at him. He's blonde. He's a California boy. He's like, he's from. He's Canadian. He's from Canada. And just because he's blonde does not That's mean such he's like a, a local thing, right? Definitely California, California boy. <laughs> he's just from Ontario. Just bullying him. 
also the fact that you're 18 years old and I said sorry the entire like well-being of our of our city is on your shoulders yeah it's a lot I mean you see it happen like McDavid most recently um like some guys can step up and do it yeah and some guys are sort of in it for other reasons or just crack a little bit especially in a market like uh Boston original six market like the spotlight's gonna be on you it's gonna be pretty intense and And, I mean it's part of the deal you're playing you're playing hockey for a living and making a lot of money doing it um but it's also tough and not not everyone can do it yeah and people from Boston are mean (laughs) going from that there's like this idea um especially in the last couple of the last 20 years Massachusetts has gotten a lot less religious and is actually one of the least religious states in the United States. New England as a whole is also one of the least religious places in the U.S., which is also so weird because, like, Massachusetts is so Catholic to me. Yeah, same. Like, everyone's an Irish Catholic. <laughs> Everyone is so Catholic. So, like, learning that is very weird. And I think that, like, it was from a... It was, like, a poll that was asking about, like, do you identi- like which do you identify as? And a lot of people were, like, not religious yeah. type of thing. I bet, like, um, culturally, it's, like, 90% Catholic. Exactly. I think culturally, there's a lot of that Catholicism within there. Maybe it's just, like, stereotypes, though. Freaking Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I know. Did this they do that to us? This is also kind of part of the whole, you know, spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> My high school. That's... Is it really about your high yeah. school? Damn. Is it really? Yeah. Well, the Boston Globe's right across the street. Yeah. And so, uh... They were, like, privy to some of... Yikes. So... Anyway. (laughs) So, anyways, 2001 is when that whole scandal kind of gets revealed. Two years later, Patrice Bergeron is drafted. People are kind of looking for something else to fill their, like, religious needs or whatever. So, I would argue that sports definitely took a larger part of the culture especially as we started to win more like we won the we broke the curse of the bambino yeah the floodgates were opened i feel like we kind of have started to replace sports for religion this is adam Ottavino. he's actually not even a he's a new york man yeah well previously he had been a yankee and he's from new york yeah so this clip which is so crazy that i found this before i was even doing my thesis but i heard this and i was like this is so interesting these fans really really care here like it's really part of their culture it's like a religion here like it's just weird that like this guy who's from new york and like probably grew up a yankees or a mets fan has no business being like saying anything i don't know nice not that it was a nice thing but i just think it's really yeah. interesting that people like outsiders have observed how weird people are about sports here <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is very um, integral to people's identity. I think, like, going to having the teams be bad for so long just made it more, like, now that they're good, people are just so into them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely is just, like, a personality trait from people from Boston. Like, I kind of love it, personally. Yeah, it's it's good. Um. So then, when you have, like, so this this one, by the way, is religion, worship, and community expectations. Oh, gotcha. St. Um, Patrice. So Massachusetts is getting less religious. They're getting more into sports. Sports are starting to win. And then we have, obviously, we have um, the Red Sox break the curse of the Bambino. The Patriots are doing well. And it's the start of, like, just a, the dynasty 
that was the Patriots in the Bill Belichick, like, Tom Brady era. Is, is. <laughs> good vibes. Good vibes Sorry. only. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, follow, I don't follow football. I don't care about that. But, yeah, I feel like every time I've been at church, when there's, like, a big game the day, that day, the priest will be like, and, like, let's pray that the Bruins take care of business tonight. And everyone's like, yes, yes. Like, yes, this is what we want. This is what we want. And then, so in 2011, Patrice Bergeron ends, obviously not on his own, but he helps end the 39-year cup drought, um, which is just exceptional, seeing as the Bruins, as a whole, as a team, have a really, really good playoff history. They're a team that pretty consistently is always in the playoffs. Like... There obviously have been periods of time, like in the 60s, where we were really bad. But, like, generally, they're kind of a a team that will get to the playoffs. They're not necessarily a team that will win, and they've been yeah. to so many Stanley Cup finals and lost. I think their winning percentage is, like, 33% or something when yeah. in the finals. It's bad. But they will get there and break your heart. They will. So. They're just tired. They're defensive-minded. It's hard. Yeah. They're tired by the end of the year. That's my argument. But anyways, so he breaks this, like... 39-year drought, so there's obviously the idea that you've... Have you ever heard people call Patrice Bergeron St. Patrice? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me. Have you seen the candles? Uh, like that picture? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen that picture <laughs> when I was here last time. Well, that doesn't count. Um, no, but yeah. I've seen candles. The, the candles, like the like you have for like the religious yeah, people. Like a prayer burn. candle. Yeah, yeah. Except it's Patrice Bergeron. And that's literally him on St. Patrick. Who is the patron saint of Boston? Mm, shocker. Yeah. Um, well, there's definitely some like French Canadian saint out there. But they could have done. fun fact: Patrice Bergeron is half Irish. Oh, interesting. Fun fact. Interesting. Yeah. And it breaks the, the nationalism stuff from earlier. It brings us back, so he makes us be like, "Yeah, that's us." It's also weird. I mean, at least where I grew up in Massachusetts, like there's a lot of French people. In Lowell? Yeah, a lot of French people. I also went to a French Catholic school, so, like, that definitely influences it. People speak, like, French? Like, you go into, like, a store? No. The clerk speaks French? No, not that French. Gotcha. Not that French. A lot of French Canadians, though. Another part of religion that I feel like is important is the idea of martyrdom. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand-in-hand with how Patrice Bergeron presents himself and how he takes... He is the, I don't know, he's the collecting bucket of people punching you. And he doesn't punch back. Just kind of Catholic. Turn the other cheek. He's so Catholic. So, so Catholic. He's so Catholic if you think about it. <laughs> so one of the major things that I've thought of, can you tell the 2013 Stanley Cup Finals are a really big moment? Yeah. 2013, a, I think, is maybe the biggest moment for him. A recurring theme. It's a recurring theme in, this, in, this, in these episodes. This is sponsored by the 2013 Stanley Cup Finals. 2012-2013 season um, gets shortened because of a lockout, XYZ. About, like, a month into what is what is supposed to be the regular season at this point, but the season has not yet started. There's a Sandy Hook elementary school shooting, which killed, I think, like, 26 kids and, and adults, but mostly children. Yeah. In New England. December 14th, 2012. That's what it was. Um, Yeah, so it's about a month before the season officially begins. And then at the very end of the season, so this is April 15th, 2013, seven regular season games remaining. 
um, is the Boston Marathon bombing, which ends up killing five people. There was supposed to be a game that day, actually, and it got postponed, obviously, because of the bombing. There's seven games left. They lose five of them. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> did, did they win the President's Cup that year, too? Or was it the year before? Uh, it was... I couldn't tell you, actually. Because like, I don't have the stats up. They did... Yeah. Losing five of your last seven when you win that many. This is a big event that's happened in the city. Yeah. That you kind of, like, need to get it together for. Yeah. You remember can't make the, people depressed on multiple fronts. The national anthem thing. Do you remember that? Yes. Like, it was a big deal. It was like, Bruins need to pull it together. Give us a little something to root for. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We get to game seven of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals, whatever, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is round one. And basically, they go into this after both of these events have happened this year. They almost, they like had like a three to one lead. And then the Leafs come back and win the next two games. So it's tied at three. It's game seven. Period three. Actually, period two, they're losing by three. Therese Bergeron scores. So basically, they score, blah, blah, blah. They get it up eventually in the third quarter. They score to tie it at, like, 4-4. Four, four. Um, Patrice Bergeron is the one who scores that, like, final tying Game goal. Tying, yeah. And at this point, because there's only, like, I believe it was 52 seconds left. It was a minute and 12 seconds left when it was still 4-4. Um, two and then Patrice Bergeron passes it to Milan Lucic. Lucic scores with like a minute and 12 left and then with 52 seconds left Patrice Bergeron scores. It's called the game of the decade for a reason <laughs> because it's the craziest game of the decade and it happened in 2013. That is they had seven more years for someone to do something better and no one did. This is the largest deficit that um, has been overcome in the playoffs in I think any period, but also like the third period, obviously. When they got back from the second period, that intermission, they come back in the third period, they're losing still. They got booed by yeah. their own fans on home ice. <laughs> and then by the time the game is about to end and it looks like we're going to lose, most people are like filing out of the building. And then Lucci scores, Bergeron scores, people are scrambling to get back in for overtime. And then like six minutes into overtime, Bergeron scores. And he brings us into the second round. We end up going all the way. We did not win. We lost in the final game. But um, Claude Julian, who was the coach of the Bruins at the time, had this quote at the very end of the like the playoffs, mm -hmm. like the post game or whatever, and said, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's what hurts the most, is in the back of our minds, we wanted to do it for those kinds of reasons. The city of Boston, what Newtown has been through, that kind of stuff. It hit close to home, and the best way we felt we could try and cheer the area was to win a Stanley Cup. I think that's what's hard right now for the players. We had more reasons than just ourselves to win a cup. So, like, this is also this idea of, one, the community expects us to do better, the Bruins to be a better team than they were, especially because in 2011 they had just won the Stanley Cup. But also there's this expectation on the players that maybe the players have put on themselves. Maybe it's something about the culture of sport in general, but, like, you are expected to kind of represent and like I don't know yeah make up for it's a great distraction what happens. exactly it's a great distraction it also unites like everyone in the like since it's so like regionalized like the teams are, are literally by region 
like it, it unites like everyone in the area when the team is doing well. And when the team is doing badly, well, Patrice Bergeron, it's time to get a couple of goals.